whole thing about drinking local was to support local businesses. Many of us got into the brewing business because we have a passion for what we do. And you brew quality beer and you want to support local businesses, your local economy, people who come to work in your place. So you're putting money back into the community. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset Show. This is a podcast about the financial, money, and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Charles Becker, founder of 1940s Brewing Company. Following a 30-plus-year career in the not-for-profit world with the March of Dimes, Charles has started his brewery, 1940s Brewing Company. They are a nano-brewery that is located on Long Island and committed to producing top-quality craft beer. 1940s Brewing Company is deeply rooted in brewing tradition. Charles Becker chose the name to pay homage to his father, who graduated the Brewing Academy in the year 1940, before beginning his long career of brewing. With a family legacy of brewing and dedication to quality beer, 1940s Brewing Company got its start in 2014. Charles has taken his brewery to the next level by creating brews that are mission-focused and help support mental health awareness and suicide prevention. The brewery has allowed him to do something that was part of his lineage and combine it with his deep-rooted experience in helping people through his experiences with not-for-profits. Listen in and hear how Charles has created a win-win using great brews, giving back, and doing something he truly loves. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the pleasure of being with Charles Becker, the founder of 1940s Brewing Company. And as you all know, I am a huge craft beer fan, and I'm excited to get into our conversation with Charles. So thanks for joining us today, Charles. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's awesome to have you here and talk to you about beer and craft beer. And uh, to get things started, can you tell our audience, our listeners, what was your path to founding the 1940s Brewing Company? I was in a homebrew club at the time, just started homebrewing for a number of years after I retired. And an opportunity came to be part of a alternate proprietorship where it was like an incubator for new breweries. And it was right down the road from where I lived. And I said, no, this is not going to happen without me in my backyard. So I took the chance and went in and founded the company and got went through all the procedures of getting your tax IDs and everything, and then got fully licensed and started operating in uh, October of 2014. That's awesome. And now my understanding is you come from a lineage of brewers to some degree, right? Yes. My great-grandfather was a brewer in over in Bavaria. He came over in late 1800s and was living in Brooklyn and working for one of the breweries in Brooklyn at what time. None of us kind of remember because I'm the youngest in the family. The oldest one doesn't remember. And he got my father into the U.S. Brewers Academy, of which he graduated from in 1940. And it was the same year my mother and father got married. And 
he went on to work for Rangold for in Brooklyn for 41 years. And he was he worked his way up to assistant brewmaster and was assistant brewmaster for many, many, many years there. And nobody he didn't want any of us to, you know, as parents back then wanted your children to succeed, go to college and do better than they did. And that was the accomplishment. If you could exceed what your parents did, it was a great accomplishment. And they had felt that we all had done that and never thought any of us would end up in the beer industry. (laughs) Now, I believe that there's some tie-in between him getting his brewer's license, brewer's certificate, and the name of the, uh, the brewery, isn't there? Well, our whole thing is back then, yes, that's why it was named 1940s. It was named because it was the year that they had gotten married and the year he also graduated from the Brewers Academy. Right. The Academy doesn't exist anymore. It was probably disbanded years after because of the consolidation of all the breweries in Brooklyn and in New York City itself from about 200 and something during its heyday down to maybe a core six or whatever it was. And then slowly but surely, they all closed. Right. Yeah, but that's a great tie-in and a, and a great story how it ties into the uh, family history. And and I have to admit that when I saw the name of the company and when I saw, you know, knowing that you're on Long Island, I thought it was a jab, me being a New York Ranger fan, that it had something to do with the New York Rangers and them not winning a cup besides in the 90s, back in the 40s. So I thought that that was the genesis of the name of the uh, the brewing company. Well, as much as a lot of people thought that. Oh, so I'm not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a jab at the Rangers, but being an Islanders fan, you'd always put a smile on my face. <laughs> but today it's like you root for both teams. If you're from anywhere in New York City, Long Island, you got to love, if you love hockey, you'll vote, you'll root for the team unless they're playing each other. Right. Yeah. So listen, tell us about your beer. What differentiates your brews from others? Well, it, there's not so much a differentiation. We decided that we were going to do a whole bunch of different styles because not everybody loves IPAs, not everybody loves stouts, not everybody loves porters and things like that. So we came up with the mindset of let's put out beers that are quality, that people will love and will enjoy drinking. And that was our mindset from the very beginning. So the first beer ever brewed was a Hefeweizen. And then the second beer we brewed was what was called a Rogan beer. It's a German style Rausch beer. And it was great. That was the first two beers that 1940 brewed when we were in alternate proprietorship. Eventually, when we got our own place, we started putting out more different beers. We had an English pale ale. We had a West Coast IPA. And we just kept putting out different styles of beers. We added stouts, porters, and the next thing you know, our tap box got bigger. (laughs) So we have now 14 different beers on tap. And it gives everybody a chance to come in and they go like, well, I don't like IPAs. Well, here's your other choices. Right. Right. Not everybody's an IPA. I mean, I love IPAs personally, but uh, I get it. I get it. Everybody has their own taste and their own like. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll try anything. I just may not drink it again. And I think that's yeah. one of one of the benefits that 
I think the explosion of craft breweries has really allowed, and that is, you know, you could almost drink a different beer every day, not repeat a beer ever Mm. again and drink in perpetuity, so to speak, because there are so many options now available. Yeah, there's a lot of different, a lot of the guys that were in the alternate proprietorship with us, some of them went on to do different things. They cut their stuff a little different and it's what sets everybody apart. Mm -hmm. As well as together, it sets us apart. Everybody puts a little twist here or their own twist on this. They do this, they do that. And it changes flavor, profile, and everything. And everybody likes it. Right. And if they don't, they'll move on and find something else that they like, right? Right. But but I think with having the selection that you have, there's almost something for everybody. Everybody can find something in your lineup that they're going to enjoy and come back and want to have again, I'm sure. Oh, yes. So, I mean, let's talk about this. You kind of talked about it a little bit earlier as far as the consolidation that many, many years ago we saw in Brooklyn and in the city, you know, a contraction from 200 breweries to mm-hmm. six, you mentioned earlier, which I, I was not aware of. And now we're in this huge expansion mode, this resurgence of craft breweries and explosion, especially here in New York. How have you seen that affect you know, business. Do you see that there's still room to expand this area, that there's still room for other breweries, other brands? I mean, how is, I guess the first thing is, how is it, how have you seen it affect your business as far as the number of breweries popping up? We haven't seen an effect on our business in that way. We don't consider as a group, we have our own guild which is part of the New York State Brewers Association. And we turn around and we look to help each other out. If you need a source and you can't get something and we have it, we'll work with you. We'll help each other out. We do it all the time. You know, you never know when your glycol line splits and you put the call out there and somebody happens to have a few pails and you go over and you can get your beer back up and cold. Or you're in the middle of going to brew and you don't have the grain or the hops that you need. If we have enough of it, we share it with the other guys and they bring it back the same way. We don't really consider each other like competition, though we're all in the same market, but there are so many people on Long Island and a lot of people go from brewery to brewery. You will have your core regulars and every brewery will have them. And there are people and then they go out and they like to go travel and see other breweries and go to other places. So we don't consider it competition. And the more breweries that open in some cases, especially if they're not in areas where there are uh, local breweries, it helps them bring people to their place. Right. They're the go-to for that area. So you don't have to travel far away. An example of a booming town, it would be Riverhead. I believe they have close to six breweries in Riverhead alone. Hmm. And then you turn around and you have the big patchwork scene and you have Blue Point at, at the beginning of that whole building. And then you don't have any breweries until you hit uh, us three in Holbrook. And then between actually between Patchogue and Riverhead, there's supposedly one opening up in Manorville and another one opened up in Bellport, hmm. Bellport Brewing Company. Brian's a friend of mine. And it's like, we all know each other. Right. That's great that you're in an industry where it's seen as a camaraderie and the ability to help. And 
I know about the New York State Brewers Association. Uh, I know a couple other people involved with it. And it's great to see an industry that's there and supportive and helping. And I tend to agree with you. You know, I think that that goes along with what we talk about on our show all the time as Mm -hmm. far as the Midland money mindset. We talk about the abundance mindset that you can't think about scarcity. Think about abundance. And the fact is, if there are more breweries on Long Island, it's just going to probably help you because people who are going there there and visiting them are craft brew fans. So they're going to see that they went to two or three, and then they're going to look, oh, where are some other ones that I haven't gone to and check them out, right? Yes. Which is a huge benefit. Well, it also helps for us because of our location. We're in, uh, I consider, uh, about the middle of the island, and it's we're easy to get to. We have major roadways all around us, the airport and the train station. So people come from, they can come from all over. They come to visit. We've had people come as far away as uh, Ireland (laughs) to come visit, and it's fantastic. It doesn't hurt to be known on the island. Sure. You build your reputation by the quality of the product that you make. Right. And as that builds, you will see the changes and things that come your way. Yeah. I Listen, I know when I visit other locations, you know, different towns, different states, different areas, I always try to grab a beer that's local to mm-hmm. see what's going on locally and see what they are producing and, and to help out the local breweries there also, always. I mean, do you think there's a point where, since there has been this huge growth, do you think there's there's a point where it becomes almost saturated, or you think that we're so far from that that it's not even an issue right now? We're probably getting very close to what we call the tipping point. Maybe upstate, they can open up more, but I think on the island, it's going to be coming to a point where, like I said, we have three that are right in the area. We're all different in our different styles and the way we make things and do things. But you eventually, in some of the towns like Riverhead and Bayshore, Bayshore alone has one, two, three, four, five, and is a six to one plant. Right. And that's just in Bayshore. Mm-hmm. And I go, you realize that after a point, Yeah, it's great. People like to go see new breweries. They visit places. But after a while, how many is too many? Right. It's not like you're opening up 7-Elevens at every street corner or a Starbucks. You're going to hit a point where your money that you're going to make, your sales are going to chug along, chug along. And then you're going to hit a point where, okay, now this is the norm. This is where it is. I got to figure out how to live within that norm. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's one of the things that the industry is going to have to deal with and see, maybe there'll be consolidation there. Who knows? You know, I want to tell listeners how I found out about you and your brewery. And I want to spend some time on this is because of the IPA that you have out called Never Alone, which I've drank, I've liked, I've enjoyed. And I highly recommend that people who are IPA fans, or even if they're not, give it a try because they might like it. Can you tell our audience what was the idea behind the beer, the Never Alone IPA? Well, it goes back to Orlando at 94.3, the shark. He's the morning DJ. And he came to us uh, because we have a relationship with him, previous engagements, that he said to us, I'd like to film this video I have that 
I want to use in the song that I he wrote the lyrics to and sat down with Brian from Weedis, uh, or no, I think it's Brendan from Weedis, and put the music together. And then he brought in, of course, Vinny from Sponge, John from One Direction was the drummer, and one of the other guys from Candlebox. And they all, you know, did their part of the video, but he wanted to film parts of it at 1940s. So it was done on a night when we were closed. And the amount of people that came out to support this whole thing that he was starting to build with this Choose Song video, it was standing room only. And it was like we had a Black Circle Project who we collaborated with on a beer that we have became one of our mainstays. They were there performing acoustically. And the whole place was like unbelievable. I was standing there going like, wow, maybe people see what they need to do to get this whole message out. And that was done a couple of years ago. And then there was editing and everything. And then unfortunately, Ashley, who was part of the video, took her life and uh, he put everything on the back burner until he finally went to the family and said, and, uh, you know, I'd like to really do this. And they said, absolutely. You have to bring this subject to the forefront and make people aware. So then he came to us and said, guys, can we brew a beer for this? Right. We said, yes, we had the, uh, ideas from the label. My youngest son is the graphic artist. He went to work on it got the QR code set up, and that's on the can that'll take you to the Choose Song video. And at the same time, my oldest son, he does the recipe. Mm-hmm. So it was a family thing, and we put together, along with my partner, John, we brewed this beer and canned it, and it's been well-received. People are buying it. It's been well-received around, and we hope that it brings the thing about mental health and suicide awareness to the forefront. Very tough times the last year with COVID-19 and people being shut in and not working. And it changes your mental state. And we want to make people aware that there is, you know, a lot of people have used music to solve their, help their mental health, Sure, you know, type of thing. Did you name it Never Alone? Was that name out before COVID-19? Was it named prior to that? Or was the COVID pandemic have something to do with the naming? The name of it came from Orlando himself. He says, uh, I'd like to name it Never Alone. And the, the script on top says, with music, you are never alone. Right. Because as much as you're shut in, you still have music, and the music is like, it can take you back to concerts. Great it outlet. It can take you to shows, everything, depending upon whatever it is. It's a great outlet. I mean, I don't know anybody who, who is in their car and doesn't have some sort of music playing. Mm-hmm. We have it constantly playing at the brewery. It's just to help to get through the day. You know, you, you just hear a song, boom. You're exercising, running, whatever. You got your music on doesn't matter what it is, you are enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, listen, a lot of our memories are tied into music. You know, like you mentioned Candlebox, and I immediately went back to when I saw them in concert when I was at Binghamton University and Mm -hmm. thought about that, and it was tied 
directly into that uh not even a specific song just the band yeah a lot of our memories are tied in that way and what better way to help memorialize and make a terrible situation losing ashley who died by suicide and now creating this thing through the beer and the music that's tied to it as a positive to help raise awareness for the thing that she ultimately struggled with and was her demise. I think Mm -hmm. it's a a great story of taking something that's terrible and turning it into something that's positive, hopefully will help others if they hear and see this message. And just to be clear, so the listener, people listening here today understand, so you buy the beer, Never Alone IPA, portion of the proceeds are going to mental health awareness and suicide prevention. Yes. On top of that, on the can itself, there's a Mm -hmm. QR code to the song, which unlocks some music that you could sit there and listen to while you're drinking the beer. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like in a, you know, within this can, there's almost like this self-sufficient entertainment experience because you have a great beverage and some great music that you get all in one place. Absolutely. And I got to say, the guys did a phenomenal job on the video. Orlando had set everything in motion and it's been his run. And to bring the people that he brought together onto the video is fabulous. You know, to come to us and make us a part of it, we were just overjoyed. We didn't even hesitate. Yeah. And I think these days, you know, at least in recent years, there's been this interest in companies, whether you be a brewery or a sock company that I could think of, of having social components, right? Having not just being a business for Mm -hmm. revenue purposes and to put out good products, but to have a social component, which this clearly is. Have you seen the social component help your business? Has this raised awareness, not only for mental health awareness and suicide prevention, which is what it's there for, but has it also helped raise awareness for the brewery because people stumble upon his song and then it kind of backtracked back to the brewery? Well, we don't track everything, but we believe it has, and we believe it will continue to do so. We have done charitable work for the fire departments. We've supported the Stony Brook Burn Center and through some of the fundraising we've done. We put together another collaboration, I believe, when Orlando used to do his Christmas thing for Angela's house. Mm -hmm. We were right there. So it's a progress. Right. I came from a nonprofit background. I spent 30 years working for a major nonprofit. And you just learn after a while. You see so much, and then you want to turn around. And how can we help in this situation? You know, Mm -hmm. you come to us. With the situation, we will try to make it work. Right. That was the reason when he asked us, there was no doubt we wanted to be a part of it. Yeah, and I think it's clearly, clearly through this, it doesn't necessarily have to be just a monetary donation or Mm -hmm. monetary help. The mere fact that you've created a brew, which is what you guys do, and put this moniker Never Alone on it, you know, the amount of assistance that that does, the impact there probably far outweighs any kind of monetary donation even you could make to those organizations because that awareness is key. You never know what one moment that somebody happens to just feel and they scan that code, they listen to the words, they see the song, the video, it could change the direction 
that they were going, mm-hmm. help them bring them out of the darkness into the light. Mm-hmm. And you never know from there, that person becomes and does, could be responsible for some great things in the world. You know, and you may knows. never know. You may right, never, know. never know. You know, I was just reading, yeah. a, I was just reading a story the other day. Somebody had wrote a story, I think it was on the mighty, and he wrote an open letter to a couple that basically saved his life. And they'll probably never know, but the long story short was he was in a CVS filling prescriptions that he needed, and they were changing some of his medications. And in that moment, he needed to get to the bus station, didn't have a mode of transportation, didn't even know how he was going to get there because he was going to visit a friend who was going to help him through this tough time. Mm. And his thoughts were going to a dark place with regard to the medication, thinking about, if I can't get this ride, tonight might be my last night. Mm. And this unsuspecting couple was there waiting for their scripts. They chatted for a minute and he was mentioning he needed this lift. And this couple, out of the goodness of their heart, gave him a ride to the bus station. And essentially the end result from this open letter, if you will, was to this couple, you saved my life because if I didn't get to that bus station, I don't know what would have happened. So those are things that you would never know. Somebody's, you know, looking at the beer, you know, listening to the song and understanding, and you may never know the impact of it, but you know, it can't be bad. That's for sure. Absolutely. So let me ask you a question. Based upon that, do you foresee having any other brews down the road that have a social component to it? Or are you more or less sticking with the Never Alone IPA as like your signature social component, if you will? At this point, we don't know. We know life changes every day. We would like to continue down the road. We do have some things planned in the short term with Orlando. So we don't know what it's going to bring otherwise. Right. Being that whether there's a second song being put together, a second video, Mm -hmm. if he wants us to be part of it, we'd gladly be part of it. You know, we don't know what direction everybody it goes. Right. We're just hoping to take this and make a great run for it. And if we want, yeah, maybe let's keep putting it out once a year at this date for this specific goal and let's get it out there. Right. It's what we can do. Great. So let's pivot for a minute. I try to drink locally whenever possible, even at home. You know, I look for the tag, the New York State Brewer tag on Mm -hmm. the, uh, the cans or the bottles. Why is drinking locally, why is that so important to breweries like yours and others in New York State? Well, the whole thing about drinking local was to support local businesses. Many of us got into the brewing business because we have a passion for what we do. And you brew quality beer, and you want to support local businesses, your local economy, people who come to work in your place, local. So you're putting money back into the community. And this is the whole idea of supporting local businesses. It's not only just your mom and pop shops, it's your local breweries that start off small. Some of them grow, some of them stay the same size. But the variety of and quality of the beer and ciders and meads that are coming out, you get to spend the time with the whole group and you realize that you want to continue to support these businesses because if you don't, they go away right? and they can't be replaced. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is there's a Facebook page called Long Island History. 
And a lot of the places are no longer there. Right. Because after a while, they didn't get the support from the local community. Mm -hmm. You just run out. And you also have to look at the big conglomerates. AB InBev has bought up just about almost anything around, including a number of craft breweries. Right. And they quietly purchase sometimes. In the beginning, it was making a lot of noise. Now I said, yep, okay, they got another one. Yeah. But some people revolt against it by saying, no, I'm not going to support that anymore. But at the same time, look, it's a business. Mm -hmm. And we understand the business aspects of it, but we really want to continue. Our whole focus has been to support local. It was local people who built, who got us where we are. We live in the community. Our kids play with your kids. Well, now my kids are a lot older, so it's my partner's kids are playing with some people. And my kids are doing their thing and helping the local people in the business. So I get it. I try to drink locally whenever possible. I find that the large conglomerates, as you mentioned, many of them don't have their original type beers or to me aren't even beer. It's, you know, like flavored water. Mm. And I talk about this often. I go to a party and if they have a large conglomerate beer in the fridge, I'll drink water or an unsweetened iced tea before I drink that. It's just my personal preference. If I'm going to have a beverage, I want a good tasting one. And I think what those big commercial brewers are doing is using breweries like yours as their own research and development because it's too costly for them to go out and develop their own beers. So they're relying on the craft brewery community to create these brews, maybe get if they get to significant size and scale, then it becomes of interest to them. And quite frankly, from a business standpoint, they just saved millions of dollars in research and development because they didn't have to go through the pain that those local brewers have gone through. So I guess the moral of the story here is, listen, support your local breweries better than the large conglomerates. I assure you, you'll probably, if nothing else, you'll expand your palate and find some great things. And, you know, along those lines, keeping your lineup of brews fresh and interesting, I think from an outsider looking in, I think must be tough. What's the key to your success there as far as keeping things fresh and new? Well, it's an ever-changing lineup. We do have some core brands, and then all of a sudden, we come out with a beer, and it has become so popular that now, okay, what are we going to pull off so that we make room for this coming out constantly? So we have seasonal beers, and then we have the beer that like we'll do a collaboration or something, and we'll have that up, and then the seasonals will go by, and other seasonals will come out. We have to decide who's going to be in the seasonal category, who's going to be in the core category. Right. And then you have the one in the, you know, we get an idea about, okay, let's do this kind of beer series. And so it's just a mindset of different things. We originally started out with an English pale and a West Coast IPA and uh, one or two other beers. And now it's like, okay, do we bring this back? Do we want to bring it back? And in the meantime, it's like on any given day, you can look at your sales list and realize that one day it's the blonde ale is running away with everything. The next day it's the lager. <laughs> the next day it's the three IPAs. It just depends yes. upon the crowd, right. the people that come in. It's amazing the mindset and differentiations in the palates. 
Do you try to keep at least like styles, a certain number of styles? Because if somebody comes in and they're an IPA person, for example, and they really like the IPA and next time they come in, that IPA is not there. But if there's another IPA, they'll probably be more inclined to try that. Do you try to keep the styles more kind of in line and then rotate those styles through different types of brews? Yes, we do. We usually have our mainstay is we, we have a couple of stouts that we run. We have a porter that's very popular because it's marshmallow, chocolate marshmallow. <laughs> what could it's be like having a that? Rice Krispie <laughs> steroids. We have our staple milk stout is always on tap, our blonde ale, our lager, and then the standard. We have about three or four IPAs right. at times, maybe five. And then we have a blueberry ale that is back on tap. And when it's not on tap, all I hear is, it's the blueberry coming. Where's the blueberry? When well, is that, it coming out? So that's when you know you got a winner, right? Oh yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like people oh, are asking okay. for it. Yep, yep, absolutely. So listen, tell her. Listen, what are the next steps for 1940s Brewery? What's next up on the agenda? What's the big thing on the horizon for you guys? Well, that's ever changing. We have some probably we're already looking at our fall lineup because of Oktoberfest. We'll probably bring out Gutzeiten which is a Marzon. We're looking at some other beers for the fall and see how everything progresses. Our concern is, of course, the pandemic is still running around. But as things open up, we'll probably start booking some of our events that we would like to have, like a cigar night in the fall, and see where it goes from there. As far as the brewery is, we expanded right in the middle of COVID. We were practically waiting for our brew house And it took, instead of a few weeks, it took three and a half months. Right. And we had a lot of catching up to do once it came in. So we doubled the size of the brewing capacity and more than doubled the size of storage capacity, fermenter tanks and everything else. So it's become a, okay, and we started canning more regularly and moving the beer out. We foresee that we'll be expanding into a lot of New York State and eventually maybe some other out-of-state area. So some great things on the horizon for 1940s Brewery. And listen, Charles, we end every show by asking all of our guests the same question, because this is the Midland Money Mindset, which is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? What did I do? Ah, I guess it was just to put it For the brewery and everything that the way it came, I'd have to say it's very simple. You go around life once. When opportunity knocks, you answer the door. If you turn around and you want to grab that brass ring and you don't, you might live to your rest of your life regretting that you didn't make an attempt B to do something that you have a passion for. And if you have a passion for whatever it is, whether it is beer, whether it is distilling, whether it is to have your own permanent makeup business, to be a graphic artist, to be a singer, to write songs, do it. Don't regret not making the mistake because if you fail, you will fail going forward. You will learn, pick yourself up and keep going. That's it. And that's all I can say. That's a great lesson. So you woke up today, you're working on the brewery business. So that's your passion. And that's what I'm assuming that you're going for right now. And that's what you're working towards, right? Yep. 
Yeah. Listen, I, you reminded me of a saying that when I was in high school, the athletic director used to instill upon all of his athletes ad nauseum. And that was, don't be in the coulda, woulda, shoulda club. That's mm-hmm. a club that nobody wants to be a part of. And I think that dovetails into your what you're doing to bring you joy. And I think yeah. it dovetails very nicely. Mm-hmm. So listen, I want to give you an opportunity. Tell our listeners, which this will all be in the show notes, tell our listeners, where is 1940s Brewery? Where is it located? And where can they learn more about the brewery? And where can they get your brews? Okay. The brewery is located at 1337 Lincoln Avenue, Holbrook, New York. We're at Unit 1, so as soon as you pull into the parking lot, there we are. Our brews are distributed all through Nassau and Suffolk County, if from anywhere from IGA stores to 7-Elevens to regular Home D's. So that's where you could find it. If you can't, you can come to the brewery and you can get it. If you're listening to this in Central Jersey, we're distributed through Liquid Runner over there. So Central Jersey, you have access to the beer that we brew. We are expanding through New York State, and we're going to see that's where else it goes in the future. Right. So that's where you can find everything. Our social media presence, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And we have our own website, which is www.1940sbrewingcompany.com. That's where you can find anything and everything about the brewery. Yeah, you have plenty of opportunities to get the brews. I would highly recommend, and I don't recommend things often on the show, but I really enjoyed the Never Alone IPA. If you're an IPA person, even if you're not, I think you'll like this brew. And worst case scenario, you helped out a great cause, which, as everybody knows, is near and dear to my heart, mental health awareness and suicide prevention. These are areas that we're helping bring out of the darkness. So take a look at it. Give it a try and enjoy the brew, and I would appreciate any feedback that you have. And if you can't find it, feel free to reach out to me, and I'd be more than happy to help you in any way I can. And thanks for joining us, Charles. I appreciate you taking out the time, and make it a great day. Yeah, thank you. I want to thank Charles Becker for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Charles is making his mark in the craft brewery industry by combining great brews and great causes. Sounds like a win-win to me. This combination allows him to differentiate himself and his brewery in a very crowded industry. I personally have enjoyed the Never Alone IPA and feel good drinking it knowing I am helping a cause that is near and dear to me. I suggest you give it a try and support this mission-focused brewery. Charles and 1940s Brewery Company can be found across all social media platforms, and all the contact information needed to find him and the brewery can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandfinancial.com and be sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content. And listen, please, don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. Be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about the mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. 
The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.